This is like old school. Everybody wants to sit in the back. No, do what I can. Um, we're kind of locked into teaching from back here. This is kind of where we're locked locked into with everything else. So it's kind of so everybody else you can see where the microphones are. So it's easier if everybody's closer. But anyways, it is what it is. I just say it one time. We continue our study on kingdom and exile, the kingdom of Christ. We're on Easy Ray three. Right? Easy Ray, Easy Ray 3, and the house of God. So, anyways, that's where we're out at. We did uh, Ezra 1 and 2 last week. Um, and if you, here's the outline, here's the whole lesson in case you leave, fall asleep, um, whatever. Uh, we're going to start out in Ezra 2, 68 through 70, offerings for the new temple. And we're going to pick up in Ezra 3, verses 1 through 7, rebuilding the altar. And then Ezra 3, 8 through 13, rebuilding the temple. So, that's what we're going to cover today. A lot of facts, uh, more so than anything else. So, anyways, less facts than last week. I think that last week is one of those, there's some Old Testament stuff that just fact overload. So, so offerings for the new temple. At the end of Ezra 2, verse 64 and 65, um, if you're at home and tuning in, I know the, the, the screen is right here for the PowerPoint. We don't have a camera guide this morning, so we're kind of working on it from there. Uh, that's what you'll get. Working out, open your own Bible. You might find that easier. Uh, page back from Psalms. Psalms in the middle. Go back five chapters, five books, and you'll find uh, Ezra. So Ezra 2, verse 64 through 65. The whole assembly together was 42,360, besides their male and female servants, of whom were 7,337. 7, they had 200 male and female singers. So last week we saw... A remnant of God's people moved back into Israel under Cyrus's proclamation. So roughly how many people come back? They've been in captivity for 70 years. How many people come back to Israel? 50,000. That's the magic number, about 50,000 people. Uh, we know Israel, I think I'd always heard about a million cross the Red Sea. Uh, who knows how strong they were before the the uh, Assyrian captivity and then the Babylonian captivity, but 50,000 is, is kind of an option. You can go back home if you want to. 50,000 went back. For comparison, Titusville's population is about 46,000. So you can kind of put that in comparison. This is how many people in, incorporate the entire nation of Israel this time is just about the population of Titusville. So you can imagine us taking a, taking a lot more space You'd be kind of spread out, really, you know, if you wanted to be. Uh, I wouldn't mind that. I don't really like neighbors and stuff anyway. So about roughly the same size as you can compare this. So picking up in verses 68 and 69, some of the heads of families, when they came to the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem, made free will offerings for the house of God to erect it on its site. According to their ability, they gave to the treasury of work 61,000 derricks of gold, 5,000 minas of silver, and a hundred priests' garments. So once they moved in, they moved back into Jerusalem, they moved back into the nation of Israel, they spread out, they come back together. So where did some of the heads of the families decide to meet? They come back together at Jerusalem. They come back together at the site of the temple, where the temple used to be. Why there? Why there? 
God saw them through. God promised that 70-year captivity, they, uh, God kept his promise. It'd be the place to, to come back together, be on God's turf. If the, if, the town, if the city of Titusville came together in one spot for some weird reason, where would that be? What's that? Walmart? That's usually the case, isn't it? it that's, that's what I hear. Uh, what's that? If you haven't seen someone in a while, go to Walmart. That's where you'll sit. I've heard that from a lot of people. Walmart is the place to see everybody. Uh, of course, my string of uh, not going to Walmart continues 21 years now. There you go. <laughs> huh? Almost 10. Oh, well, yeah. I've been in the door a couple times. When Wanda retired, I welcomed her back from the dark side. Um, I went there one time for a benevolence run, hit the service counter. Uh, but other than that, it's been 21 years. So it's a good run. Um, so anyways, yeah, Walmart, I think you're probably right. Um, if you ever see, I remember when they had the fires, what was it, 97, when they had the big fires, and Mims and Scottsmore, were, they took the brunt of it. They always, the news crews would hang out that, what was it, Handy Way up there in Scottsmore, up there by uh, just south of 5A. Is there a Rippy Mart there on the west side of the road? That's where the news crews would hang out to interview the locals. And that was like, apparently everybody in Mims and Scottsmore would go there. That's like City Hall of Mims and Scottsmore. Um, at the beginning of Ezra, verses 2 and 4, we see a proclamation from Cyrus. Cyrus is the king of Persia. Cyrus is the king of Persia. And he says, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns be assisted by the men of his place with silver and gold, with goods and with beasts, besides free will offerings for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. So you can see what even in Cyrus. Cyrus is a pagan. Cyrus is the king of the Persians. He gives credit to God. God put this thought in him. He says, send my people home. Build me a house. Rebuild the temple. So Cyrus did that in the original proclamation. You're going home. You're going to rebuild the temple. And we're going to finance it. Uh, Brent brought up a good point. There's a lot of times in the Bible you see how God had a big project. And God had a way to finance it. Uh, that would be a good study sometime. There's a lot of good studies that we don't even think about sometimes. And maybe that will just be one day. God finances what he needs done. So, so how's it going to be a finance? Like I said, People of, uh, the people of Babylon, the people of Persia, are going to just dip in their pockets and hand them gold and silver. So back to Ezra 2, verses 68 and 69. Um, how much was the free will offering? How much free will offering was made to build the house of the Lord? And this is beyond what was just given to them when you back up. They're assisted by the men of this place, and it says, beside the free will offerings of the house of God. So the people of Babylon give them gold, and they give them silver, and they give them everything. But this is a free will offering. And it's up in verse 68, just above this verse 69. It says, made free will offerings. So these people reached in their pockets, the people of Israel, the house of God, and reached in their pockets and added to that. How much?
No guesses? Nobody want to nobody read it? 61,000 derricks of gold, 5,000 minus of silver, and 100 priest garments. How much do you think that is? Anybody want to guess? I need to start throwing candy or something. Any guesses? It's like the price is right. Come on. How bad can you be? Carla, Raina, take a guess. How much money? No guess. Grant, Wanda? Million? It'd be a lot of money, wouldn't it? If, I'll be honest. Here, um, in the times we've had something of a need, we said, we need to do this. The need has always been met. Um, if that was a million dollars they needed, they would have got a million dollars. Uh, story I'll, t I'll tell. One time, the, uh, some of the boys I picked up on a Jesus van needed a new set of bunk beds. Quite honestly, four of them slept in two beds. So we wanted two sets of bunk beds, and I guesstimated it would be a thousand bucks between frames, mattresses, sheets, the deal. I made a plea right here. By the time I hit that door, I had a thousand and forty dollars in my hand. So God met the number, you know, almost exactly. Um, it's kind of amazing how that stuff happens. But anyways, so anyone else guess? Want to guess a million bucks? Any other guesses? Building the temple. Come on. All right. Derek was a quarter ounce. This is from the footnotes in the ESV Bible. It's a Persian gold coin. that uh, comes from Clark's commentary. I guess there's, anyways, it's a Persian gold coin. It's basically the Persian drachma. It's your day's wage would have been a derrick, okay? Uh, gold's approximately 1850 an ounce today when I looked on the internet. 1850 bucks an ounce, you take 61,000 derricks, quarter ounce, $1,850 an ounce, $28 million for the gold, just there. That's a lot to say dig in your pockets and give me a free will offering. How much do you love God? We gotta rebuild this house, $28 million. You want to figure it out a different way. If you take a day's, if it's a day's wage, you take a, a day laborer's wage. I say a hundred bucks. It's eight hours at twelve fifty an hour. It's not a great wage, but it's a, a laborer's type wage. It comes out still at six million dollars. It's still, you know, this is big money. These people just reach in their pocket. Here's six million dollars from fifty thousand people. So what's that? Forty grand a piece. Is that right? Fifteen? Nah. I don't know. I'm not doing much of my math today. Um, thousands of dollars a piece, anyways. And a mina was a pound and a quarter. As a weight, a mina was equal to 100 shekels. As a coin, a mina was equal to 60 shekels. Doesn't make much difference. Silver is about 400 bucks a pound. By weight, the silver would have been two and a half million. If you look at it as a coin, the three and a, three and a third drachmas basically per mina. $100 a drachma. It comes out 1.67 million. So all told, somewhere between eight and thirty million dollars today money. They said we want to build, rebuild the house of God, and these people dipped in their pocket and came up with that much money because it was needed. And they dipped, they they gave a hundred priests garments. This is the one that confuses me more than anything. Like I said, God makes things. If He wants to finance, He gets it financed. 100 priest garments, it's been 70 years since they worshipped. Did they make these priest garments? Did somebody have them rolled up, mothballed? Did they, when they find them hanging in the houses they move back into? It's been 70 years. Anybody got a guess? I don't have an answer. 
but 100 priest garments is kind of kind of on the weird side to me. But that's that's what they came up with. Millions of dollars and 100 priest garments. And that chapter finishes with verse 70. Now the priests, the Levites, some of the people, some of the singers, the gatekeepers, and the temple servants lived in their towns, and all the rest of Israel in their towns. So we'll move into Ezra 3, verses 1 through 7, rebuilding the altar. Ezra 3, verse 1. When the seventh month came, and the children of Israel were in the towns, the people gathered as one man to Jerusalem. The seventh month, according to the, uh, their calendar, was Tishri. I don't even say I'm right, right? But Tishri. It's somewhere September, October is the time frame that that would be. Wycliffe's Old Testament commentary puts the first day of Tishri, which is what they say in Ezra 3, 6. I will take these first six verses, and I will jumble them a thousand times. Uh, but anyways, they pegged that date at September 25th, 536 B.C. Take that with a grain of salt. But anyways, we'll take that as a guesstimate of when this would be. The laying the temple of the foundation would probably happen in the spring. So anyways, that would be 535 B.C., 70 years after they went into captivity in 605. So that's really some of the key. I like the facts. I like the, the detail like this. This is when it is. It's the seventh month. This is how much people gave. They're, they're, it adds to the believability. It adds to the truth of the whole thing. So, How does the text describe the gathering of Israel? At the end of verse 1, how did they come together? They were united as one man. Yeah, they came together united. So people fussing, they're over here, right? This ain't the way it used to be 70 years ago. You got the people who are running late. They're still coming later, right? Sorry, I didn't mean to call anybody. But I just, anyways. You got the people, you know, but they came together. They didn't. They came together as one man. They all come together. All of Israel, all 50,000 people come together to worship. It's been 70 years. This is something that's been promised. It's a great time to get back together. There's no, there's no dissension. There's no where we're going to go. There's no what are we going to do. They come together as one. Verse 2, then arose Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and his kinsmen. And they built the altar of the God of Israel to burn, offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. So Jeshua was the grandson of Sarai, Sarai, I don't know how to say it. We need to bring back, say it or spray it, anyways. The high priest who was put to death by Nebuchadnezzar. So he would, um, he's the grandson of the guy who would probably have been like the last high priest before the Babylonian captivity. What was the plan with rebuilding the offering? What was the plan of building the altar? What's the plan? If we came to get... Okay, go ahead, Brent. That's it. Same as is written in the law of God. And same as it's written in Exodus, Leviticus. The same as it's written. So they already had God already laid blueprints down. His blueprints are amazing. Um, the tabernacle was one of those things when you read the dimensions and what to make stuff out of and stuff. It's all there. Uh, one year for VBS, we built a, not a full-scale tabernacle, but like a partial-scale tabernacle in the fellowship room 
for Vacation Bible School. It was easy to do because the blueprint was already right there in the Bible. We knew the measurements. We knew the division of the room. We knew what was in each of the rooms. It was really cool to do it because I built something from the Bible based on the Bible's plans, and this is it. They knew what to do with the altar because they already had the plan. In verse 3, they set the altar in its place, for fear was on them because of the peoples of the lands, and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, burnt offerings morning and evening. Where did they build it? They built it in its place. They built it where it belonged. They built it where it used to be. They didn't just pick a new spot. They went back. Wanda, you went to Israel, didn't you? Yeah. So you've been to that spot, haven't you? No. The dome, the rock, the dome, or whatever, that's like, you're not allowed to go in there, are you? Yeah, because it's a Muslim mosque now, isn't it? Yeah, it's a Muslim mosque built on top of the place where the temple used to be, is my understanding. And the rock and stuff is there. I think I put it in there. Yeah. Expository Bible commentary says it was built on a crag in the Dome of the Rock on a crest of Mount Moriah. Um, it says there are well-worn steps going up to where this, the altar would have been. You can tell that it had been used for years and years and years. There's channels in the rock from where the blood poured down, or at least to channel the blood. Um, I didn't put that just written out there, but anyways, that's what uh, the expositor's Bible commentary says. Um, but anyways, they put the altar where the altar belonged, where God wanted it to be. Jumping ahead to verse 6, like I said, I'm going to mix and match here. From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, but the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. How long did it take them to build the altar? When they came together on the first day of the seventh month, how long did it take them to decide to build the altar and to build the altar? They did it the same day. They came together and they built it. They just got the job done. One day, Chris and Steve uh, and Brent worked on that in closing, improving our AV system. They got a new cabinet type thing there. I'll guarantee you that took longer than a day. <laughs> you know, but these guys got together on the first day. They built the altar. What do you think the altar looked like? <laughs> yeah, it looked like it did in Exodus. Um, probably a pile of rocks. Probably, and they grabbed some field stones, they grabbed some stones from the area and stacked them up. We got to start offering burnt offerings. We ain't got time to go find a pretty rock. We ain't got time to have Lowe's special order as a piece of marble. We don't have time to get something off of Scamazon two days from now. It has to happen. Even Walmart didn't have anything, right? They could have done any of that kind of thing. They just had to get the job done. As you read the Old Testament stuff, like uh, Joshua, as they move into the Promised Land, they stacked up rocks. And that's a common thing. So this altar was probably, they stacked up some rocks. We need to just get busy. When did they start offering burnt offerings to the Lord? About as, about as soon as they got those rocks stacked up. We got this altar built up, it's time. It ain't no time for it just to sit and weather. It's no time for it to break in, and they started. 
Back to verse 3. Why do you think they built the altar in a day and started burnt offerings on it immediately? According to this verse. It says, they set the altar in place for fear was on them because of the people, peoples of the lands. And they offered. So they did it out of fear. What would they fear from the neighbors? Who knows, right? You're talking about they just came from the neighbors. They just came from Babylon. And that came in in waves. The Babylonians came in and scooped them out. They just basically they took out the best and they took out the next best and took everybody else. The Assyrians came through and wiped people out. The Egyptians took over the Assyrians. They've been at war with the people of Lebanon. They've been at war with the people of Syria. And they've been at war with the people of Moab. The whole book of Judges says when they fell away from God, the neighbors came in. The Philistines, they all came in and wreaked havoc. The book of Joshua repeatedly talks about the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the, um, and all the problems there. They got with it because there's no promise of tomorrow. You know, they need, knew they had to do it, and they weren't going to let somebody stand in the way. We're going to just get it done. What did, they hope to regain, what did they hope to gain by reinstating worship? Yeah, protection from God. It's, you know, it's, it's been 70 years. Um, they came, they settled in, then they, you know, it wasn't like as they're on the way through and they set this up. They settled in, then they came back. But yeah, it's to get God's uh, protection, to remember what he's done for them. Um, but yeah, I'd say with the fear of the people, part of it was we know what God can do and we'll bring that back. Moving on to Ezra 3, verse 4. And they kept the feast of booths, as it is written, and offered the daily burnt offerings by number according to the rule as each day required. The Feast of Booths was kept on the 15th day of Tishri, two weeks after building the altar. And that's in Leviticus 23, 34 through 42. And I put this here show, so you'd see the complexity of what they're doing. Because I back here. They kept the Feast of Booths. So they just, they built the altar. They offer burnt offerings on it. They're doing that twice daily. Two weeks later, they said, let's have the Feast of Booths. We haven't done anything for 70 years. We've kept the tradition. You know, we haven't really kept traditions, but we've passed the word. We've cast the promises. And the Lord spoke to Moses, Leviticus 23, 33 through 36, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, On the 15th day of the seventh month, and for seven days is the feast of booths to the Lord. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. For seven days you shall present food offerings to the Lord. On the eighth day, you shall hold a holy convocation and present a food offering to the Lord. It is a solemn assembly. You shall not do any ordinary work. So this is the start of it. For so for eight days at least, everybody in Israel came to Jerusalem, and they're going to set up, and they're going to stay. They're just going to stay. Moving on to verse 37 and 38. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim as times of holy convocation, for presenting to the Lord food offerings, burnt offerings, and grain offerings, sacrifices, and drink offerings, each on its proper day. 
beside the Lord's Sabbaths and beside your gifts and besides all your vow offerings and besides all your free will offerings which you give to the Lord. On the fifteenth day of the seventh month when you have gathered in the produce of the land, gathered in the produce of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a solemn rest. On the eighth day shall be a solemn rest. And you shall take on the first day the fruit of splendid trees. You shall take on the first day the fruit of the splendid trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of leafy trees, and boughs of the brook, willows of the brook. You shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. You shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It's a statute forever throughout your generations. And you shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in booths that your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So this feast is to remember for 40 years how they lived in tents before they could go into the promised land. They didn't have a permanent house. They lived in these tents. So for 40 years, I mean, so they were going to remember this for eight days. They're going to live in tents. Could you see that here? Give up your life for a week. Come on down here in the parking lot, and we're going to just all, all of us, are going to sleep in tents out here in the parking lot. Would everybody do it? No. Actually, we're not, we're not going to, and we're not supposed to. This was something they did forever. But that's, a, that's, a, that's quite an ordeal that you're going to put life on hold, that you're going to give a week of your life, that you're going to come there and remember what God's done for your people. Remember for how you got there. Remember that God keeps his promises. But they did. And it's an every one of them did. Back to Ezra 3.5. And after that, the, the regular burnt offerings, the offerings of the new moon, and at, all, and at all the appointed feasts of the Lord, and the offerings of everyone who made a free will offering to the Lord. The other feasts in Leviticus 23 are the Sabbath, the Passover, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement. I'll let you look those up. But they kept those. They started keeping these feasts. They would come down to Jerusalem and keep the feasts. Back to four. Um, why? Why didn't they keep the feasts and the daily burnt offerings? And they kept the Feast of Booths as it is written. We're back. We're back for seven, from 70 years. We're going to try to do what God wanted us to do. We know it was our own issues, our own problems, our own straying is why the nation of Israel was decimated, why they lost ten troops to the Assyrians, ten tribes to the Assyrians, why the other two went into captivity. We're going to try to do what we can. We're going to, we're going to do it as God's word says. So what did they do through the 70 years? They didn't. They didn't. Can you imagine a tradition, though, that you pass down to your grandkids? I mean, they come together and they, we got the word, we know what to do, we're going to do it. Can you imagine passing it on to your grandkids? Who's got, well, Wanda, your grandkids, you got grandkids about 70 years younger than you, right? Close? Is that right? But you're working on that still, right? You're working on passing down traditions. You're working on getting them to understand Christ the way that he's operated in your life for all your years. 
And, uh, and that's kind of what these people did. They passed on their kids. They passed on their grandkids. They got together. It's time to get it back in business, even though they hadn't done it for 70 years. They'd gotten out of practice. It was no longer an excuse. They'd got busy. Seems like a lot of work, doesn't it? Somebody grab your animals, bring them down here to twice a day, and we're going to burn them. We're going to bring all kinds of other offerings. We're going to start keeping these feasts seven days at a time and stuff. Seems like a lot of work if we ain't done anything for 70 years. Yeah. It does. And there's a difference. God's people, when they want to be, when they want to act like God's people, they get busy with it. When they don't want to, you let it slide. Ezra 3, 5, and after that, the regular burnt offerings, the offerings of the new moon, all that stuff. So who do you think, in offerings to everyone who made a free will offering to the Lord, who participated? I think I asked this question earlier, but who participated? Everyone. The whole nation of Israel. 50,000 people participated. That's what it says. It says everyone. Is that hard to believe? Could you get everyone to do anything? Can you get your whole family to decide to agree on what's for dinner? What? The women laugh at that stuff. John Fisher says it's no problem at all. <laughs> I remember the good old days. I remember the good old days. It was just, yeah, it's no problem at all. So if you've got a family, you've got four, five, two. Sometimes it's a little hard to even just sit on dinner. What are we going to do today? We're going to go to church today. We're going to go worship the Lord today. Now you get 50,000 people, and they all come. They bring the kids. Why bring the kids? What's that? They need to learn. Yeah. You find it a lot of in the Old Testament. So they remember. So that your children know. You find that a lot in Joshua, I know. As they go and they set up, you know, and that actually, probably Exodus is probably a good one too. And they set up altars, and it's so they'll remember. So the children will know is one of those things. Right now, we worship all together. We don't have children's church. And part of that is so you can share, why do we go to church? You know, are we here to check the box? Is it because the orange carpet is the only place in town that you can find orange carpet and it's just that cool? Why? Kids ask questions, don't they? Why aren't they here? Issa's here. Why are you here? Because <laughs> you want to be here. That's what we want it to be. At some point, kids have a switch. Was it, what is that? Was it Dean Miller said kids have, a lot of church kids have a drug problem? They get drugged to church? <laughs> and, you know, it's a, it's a good statement. I like that. Um, but, yeah, at some point, they change. At some point, they're the adults, you know. I know if you go back in the room five, my daughter's teaching class today. This is the third week in a row she's taught Bible class. She's sharing her faith with kids that are grade four through six. So she's an 11th, so five to seven years younger than her. She's sharing her faith with them. You know, partly it's my faith, partly it's Camille's faith. It's a faith she's established and is passing on. 
Verse 6, from the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings, but the foundation of the temple was not yet laid. And that's it. It was not yet laid. They got probably a stack of rocks is what they've got. Um, if we just had a stack of rocks on this prom property, would we, uh, would we still worship? Yeah. One <laughs> said yes. I know I've heard stories from the old days uh, when they met at the Presbyterian Church, when they met at the women's club, they met at the firehouse for a while. Um, I, I think I remember hearing Marion saying he even left the kids in the car sometimes, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember what that was about, but it must have been some other reason. But um, they worshiped, and people can worship when well, we've done that. In the time of a pandemic, okay, there was a time when the state of Florida told us that we couldn't meet more than 10 people here in the building. So we didn't. And uh, some of us, we worked on it. We worked on some kind of program. We had a message. We had singing and stuff that you could share with your family. Where two or three gather, you can worship. Some people, so you could either watch it on your phone or your computer or be smart enough to cast it to your TV. You could watch it on YouTube. And it's kind of built over time. But we had that ability to worship, even though you know, the government said, don't get together, we still could. So, yeah, if it was just a stack of rocks, we'd be here. I'd stand around a stack of rocks and swap mosquitoes. That's, that's no big deal. We worship soccer balls like that. So, you know, we could do that. It meant something. It wasn't just a stack. I like that. It wasn't just a stack of rocks. It was there for God. It was put together as an altar to worship him. It was there with the, for the burnt offerings. It was there for them to gather and worship God for who he was. So moving on to verse 7. So they gave money to the masons and the carpenters and the food, drink, and oil to the Sidonians and the Tyrians to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the sea to Joppa according to the grant that they had from the Cyrus, the king of Persia. So the foundation of the temple is not yet laid. So they start building it. What do you see different in the building of the temple from what they did with the altar? What do you see different here? With the altar, and they gathered up some local rocks, they built an altar. With the temple, they're taking the money from Cyrus, taking the free will offering. They are hiring the best of the best. Word goes out to Lebanon, send us your cedar trees. They didn't pick up the phone, right? Didn't send a tweet, send masons. You know, what did, how did, you know, it's a big project. They called for carpenters, they called for masons, they called for cedar trees, they bring in the materials, they bring in the best of the best build the temple. They got millions of dollars. They're going to do it right. They're not just going to cobble it together. They're going to get experts. They're going to go big time on this. Ezra 3, 8 through 13, starting in verse 8. Now in the second year after they're coming to the house of God at Jerusalem in the second month, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josadak made a beginning together with the rest of the kinsmen, the priests and the Levites and all who had come to Jerusalem from the captivity. They appointed the Levites from 20 years old and upward to supervise the work of the house of the Lord. This is probably a groundbreaking. I left out the word is, but this is probably a groundbreaking. The, 
temple is not done, um, not even close. So this is like a groundbreaking. I remember with the 50th anniversary here, they had pictures of putting a shovel in the dirt right here. I know uh, Hank Harris was in some of those pictures. Marion was in some of those pictures. Some of you guys know them. Um, it's a groundbreaking. According to the teacher's Bible commentary, there were 24,000 Levites to see after the work of Solomon's temple, 1 Chronicles 29.4, but only 341 Levites returned to Babylon. It's a lot less people. 1%. Levites are typically appointed to service in the temple at 25, 30, 35 years old. It hardly takes a genius to figure out why they lowered the required age and needed more men. That comes from Kaufman. Kaufman's commentary. He doesn't have a hard time just flat out saying what he, what's on his mind sometimes. That's like it. it doesn't take a genius to figure this out. They needed men. Um, we do that. I can understand that. We need men. Yes. You're right. They had to have proof. Um, actually, the, the list in Ezra 2 of the people came back, some of them says of unknown, those who had lineage and they couldn't prove. They still came back. But they couldn't prove their lineage, so you're right. They're not Levites. They're not really, they didn't get that. But yeah, they had to prove that lineage. That lineage had to be pure enough through 70 years that, you know, daddy didn't find a Babylonian wife. You know, this is, these are Levites. The tribe of, and at the same time, the line of Judah was kept pure enough for Jesus through all that. Verse 9, and Jeshua with his sons and brothers and Cadmiel and his sons, the sons of Judah, together supervised the workmen in the house of God, along with the sons of Hinnadad and the Levites, their sons and brothers. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests and their vestments came forward with trumpets, and the Levites, the son of As Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the directions of David, king of Israel. Verse 11, and they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Who came together? They all did. This song they sing is in Psalm 136. It's also in Jeremiah 33, 11. 33.10, and Jeremiah says, Thus says the Lord, In this place of which you say, It is a waste without man or beast, in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate, without man or inhabitant or beast, there shall be heard again the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voices of those who sing as they bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. I will restore the fortunes of the land at first, says the Lord. God said we're going to come back together. He said this song is going to be sang. It's a song they had to sing. Psalm 136, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever and ever. What song would we sing if this was us? Big one, there's no right answer. We haven't met for a while. What's the first song we've got to sing? Rain is already singing. Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, right? That's a good one. What's the uh, national anthem of the Church of Christ? 
there was beyond the Azure Blue. Yeah, <laughs> I guarantee that song would be sad. So we would sing a song. You pick. But many of the, verse 12, but many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' houses, old men who'd seen the first house, first temple, wept with a good, loud voice when they saw the foundation of the house being laid, though many shouted aloud for joy. Response to the old men in 70 years, when they remembered the old temple. They remembered everything before it was desolate. Suddenly they wept with a loud voice. You ever been there? You ever been so happy that you cried? Yeah. So overjoyed that tears still flow. That's where they're at. God kept his promise. It's been some tough times to get here. But he did exactly what he said he was going to do. Some people rejoiced. No, sorry. Some people wept. Some people rejoiced. Maybe a point of view. The old guys who remember wept. The ones who saw something come true were joyous. Verse 13. So the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people weeping. For people shouted with a great shout, and the sound was heard far away. What did it sound like? Kind of a mix. Um, they say the eastern people today, and they still... Their joys, their songs, it all kind of sounds like crying. Um, who was far away to hear it? It's a big question. If everybody's there, who was the far away? My guess is the neighbors. You know, the, the neighboring countries heard the praise of God. Next week, Ezra 4, unbelievably titled, Work Stops. What? It's been 70 years, I just got started. Work stops. So... Uh, Chuck will be here next week to take over for that. So thank you all for being here. Um, by the way, our midweek Bible study this week is on Tuesday night. To get all the pieces together, it will be on Tuesday night is when our midweek Bible study is. It will be in the slideshow and it will be an announcement. So just a reminder, Tuesday night. So thank you all.